0: Politics as Usual. Welcome to Politics as Usual Season 2. And we are back like we never left. I'm I'm so happy to to bring you guys back to our little show. And with so much going on in the world right now, we had to come back and talk about everything from politics from A to Z. So right now, the biggest thing Thanks. going on in the world, Russia, Ukraine, World War Three, maybe, who knows? So since we may be on the cusp of World War Three, I brought an expert here to join Jay and I to talk about. Everything that's going on, he's an expert in politics, the geopolitical spectrum, and I'm so proud to introduce He's a journalist, a podcast host, a writer, one of the brightest political minds I know, and a good friend of our Mars entertainment down in the den community. Cameron Cowan, brother, how are you doing today? Welcome to politics.
1: Um, <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Okay. <laughs>
0: Thank you, I
2: appreciate it. That was quite an introduction. I hope I can live up to the hype. Um,
0: (laughs) You most definitely can. So guys, if you aren't familiar with politics as usual, I'm Mars and...
1: This is your girl, Jay.
0: (laughs) And we go through politics from A to Z, going through the entire uh, political spectrum. So Cam, I am not... 100 familiar, 100% familiar with what's going on in Ukraine. You know, we all know it's a bad thing. We all know that we're in the cusp of war. This is the Cold War all over again. But give us a little bit of insight. What the hell is going on right now between Russia and Ukraine? For anyone that doesn't know, give us a little insight.
2: No, I absolutely, Um, it's funny you should say that because what the hell is going on with the title of my first nonfiction book about politics. Um, (laughs) And uh, there's a new edition coming out this year. Um, And uh, (laughs) yes, exact, yes, yes, summer 2022. Um, So the, the story with Ukraine begins back
0: in,
2: 2014 with the annexation of Crimea. Crimea is a little peninsula in southern Ukraine. like east of Italy. Uh, Putin basically just said, hey, this is now Russia. And the Obama administration was like, okay, sure. And then they held a vote, a plebiscite, as we say in the business. And uh, not surprising, it was not much of a stand up because Crimea is Russian-speaking, ethnically Russian, and Putin knows how to stuff a ballot box. Um, fast forward several years, um, there was a Russian, the, the, the government in Ukraine has sort of lost out. Bearing in mind, Ukraine was once part of the Soviet Union. Before that, it was once part of the Russian Empire. It was conquered by Catherine the Great in the 18th century. Um, and so, in the, after the fall of the Soviet Union, Ukraine becomes its own country. But the government has always been pretty Moscow line. Well, the Ukrainian people had a civil war with some local militias, and Yanukovych, who was the Russian-backed president was out and and a new fellow came in whose name i don't remember at this moment but he was more pro-western and ukraine began the multi-year process to join the european union with a memorandum of understanding in the normalization of trade relations that did not make putin happy because that would bring an eu member state right up to his borders And uh, Ukraine has also been trying their damnedest to get into NATO, um, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which has been a defensive alliance whose main purpose has been to counter Russia in Europe. And that was true from the beginning of the Cold War in the 1940s to today. And um and so this this all has been going on and so late last year Zelensky was elected and wanted to keep going which is what he ran on and won with um that uh, he he did not want uh Ukraine to join the European Union he did not want Ukraine to join NATO there had been promises in the uh Minsk agreement in 1997 where Ukraine gave up its nukes in exchange for um border security from the United States and Russia and he had spent the last several months massing troops on the border of Ukraine in the hopes to get Ukraine to drop its um, its ascension to the European Union and its ascension to NATO. And as we know, on February 24th, Russian troops invaded uh, Ukraine from the north, the south, and the east, and since then we have seen a lot of things happen. We've seen the Russian military not be terribly effective in the north and the east. They have done much better in the south. Um, we have seen them run out of food, run out of gas, um, all sorts of things. Um, but we've also seen Ukraine kind of fall apart as a country. Um, we're talking 1.5 million refugees. We're talking uh tens of thousands of civilian Ukrainians dead. Um, Russian troops have also suffered losses. In fact, they have lost more troops um, in this war than we did in the entire 20 years we were in Afghanistan. Um, It has become a bit of a quagmire. That's easing now The infamous 40-mile-long convoy that's been stuck on the side of the road is moving and redeployed again. It looks like they're about to surround the capital, Kiev. Um, Kherson has already fallen. Mariupol is what will be left of Mariupol by the time the Russians are done showing it will soon um, fall as well. And so even though it's not proceeding on nearly the schedule that the Office of the General Staff in Moscow thought it would be, it is, it is proceeding, and this, of course, now, of the first land war in Europe in 90 years, um, has a little bit in terms of we have sanctions of EU and the United States against Russia um they've closed starbucks mcdonald's banks are pulling out the only thing leaving russia right now is oil and gas the united states has banned that europe is trying to figure out how to get off russian gas uh, which is not an easy thing for them to do especially germany because they close all their nuclear power plants um, prematurely <laughs> and unnecessarily um, and all this sort of thing and so now we have this situation where uh, we have an active war going on in in europe and uh, weird now kind of trying to figure out what the next steps are. Ukrainians would like a no-fly zone over their country to get rid of the Russian Air Force, but the reality of that situation is a no-fly zone would quickly spiral into World War III. And that's probably the most frightening thing right now, is that there are many, many pathways for this conflict to expand. There are many, many pathways for World War III to start, and it only takes... The wrong bullet going the wrong direction, the wrong missile hitting the wrong set of troops in the wrong country for this conflict to expand. The conflict is already expanding and to include Belarus, um, and that's the last non-NATO country bordering um, uh, bordering Ukraine um, that you know Putin could either ally or attack with without triggering NATO's Article Five provision. And so we're now in a situation where we have very dicey times ahead. I've had a lot of people ask me, How do I survive nuclear war? How do I survive a major radiological event? Um, And I have been handing out advice as to how to deal with all that. I mean, that's the, that's this. We probably have not been in as intense a threat of nuclear war since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And that was in 1962. I did a video a couple of weeks ago with a gentleman who's decades older than me and he was talking about that and he's like well there was the human muscle crisis i said sir 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 i'm 34 years old next month my mom was five when that happened so there's two and a half almost three generations of people that were not alive for that event so i know you're in your 70s that was significant for you we're new here so pardon us while we catch up with the realities of the situation um but, uh, yeah, so that's We've kind of... We've been
1: through of, a lot, but we just haven't been through that.
2: It's <laughs> been exactly, through a, a pandemic, <laughs> financial crisis, and now we're coming the war of the pile, yes.
1: Oh, so, yeah. so that, yeah. I know
0: it's the from the sandwich, so...
1: Yeah, we're like, why <laughs> is, well, just, let's add a nuclear war to it, why Exactly. As well. <laughs> so that's kind of where we are
2: with the Ukraine situation. It, it, the, the, the main takeaway is it could be very easy for this war to expand, and if it does everybody's going to get some of it. And for the people that think we should go to have a ground war in Ukraine to save Ukrainians, I tell them World War II will look like a pleasant picnic to what will happen with World War III. The weapons are more powerful. Um, Mm -hmm. Russian weaponry can most definitely reach the United States, which neither the Germans could do in World War II, and the Japanese could only make it to Hawaii. And that was practically a one-way trip that's not so anymore. Our oceans don't protect us. We um, major American cities. You can see our own refugee crisis in this country. You know, we're all going to be living in Iowa. Um, all this type of thing. So, um, yeah, right now there's talk of like a no-fly zone. Should we invade? Should we not invade? All this type of thing. And the Biden administration is doing great work of addressing the crisis without, one, making it a U.S.-Russia thing. He's letting the Europeans take the lead. Smart. And, most importantly, He is really trying to not turn this in to a ground war with Russia, because that will be, even if it stays limited to Ukraine, which it won't, um, even if it stays limited there, there will be no Ukraine left to conquer. And our missiles are much better than theirs. So, you know, if we're talking about risk to human life, us invading Ukraine to fight against Russia is going to kill more people than it will save. So that's, that's Ukraine in a nutshell.
1: Right.
0: And in, in Quagmire's word, Jay, what, what what is your opinion on we hear a lot of things and a lot of people aren't as educated as Cam when it comes, you know, I hear some side saying, Oh, we need to help our European brothers and sisters and and and, and help and and with the weapons and the sanctions, sanctions, sanctions aren't enough. And then a lot of people, myself included, is like, that ain't none of my business. Maybe we should stay over here. What's your opinion on on u s involvement in this potential World War III situation?
1: Um I think that we we definitely need to take a chill pill for a second. Um I know that we always want to be gung ho and like rush and help, and I think there are ways that we can help. I think obviously we've done the sanctions and things, but I think we just got out of a war and we're trying to trying to put the pieces back together here. Um, And I just think that, I think, for me, and I think that I've seen is a lot of people have kind of lost a little bit of faith in the administration because of just like promises to the people. And so I just think that any resources or anything that they take um, from the pie that's here is just going to be looked at, um, and are really like a, a fine tooth comb, especially because of, there's a lot of things where money hasn't been put, um, that needs to be fixed and everything. And so I, I definitely, um, I think that with all of the European countries coming together, I mean, even Switzerland, like I never thought I'd see the day where like Switzerland would become not neutral. Um, and so I just feel like we have to let them step in and do what they need to do first before we just go in, because there is such a hot, we're coming off of an an administration that was kind of completely polar opposite to how like this administration is running things and their relationship with Russia. So I just think that we kind of have to um, figure that out. I mean, I know that we were trying to figure out how to get uh, gas or other resources as well from like Saudi Arabia or like other countries. And like, they're just like not trying to hear it either because we have beef over there. So I just think Ultimately, like the Super Bowl, we had all the electric car commercials and like everything. I just think ultimately America needs to figure out a way to kind of uh get off of our dependencies from other countries in general just so that way we can rebuild ourselves and just become like a better uh environment or a country in general for what we have to offer. you know
0: absolutely now cam what what do you feel? is Putin's ultimate goal besides putting Ukraine back into the Soviet Union cuz I personally feel he's trying to get the Soviet Union back together. He he would not stop at Ukraine. Uh so so what do you feel Putin's ultimate goal is here?
2: I'm one of the few people who doesn't see this as a wider conflict. Putin is not he, he's dumb but he's not so dumb as to get involved with a war with NATO that he knows he will lose. That's Russia has been complaining about NATO and NATO troops and all this type of thing for a long time. And the, you know, the the reality, especially given what we've observed with the Russian military in Ukraine, if they can't manage to get through Ukraine, we will obliterate them. (laughs) That's I mean, you know, and I tell people, I said, I said, do you really want B-52s carpet bombing Ukraine? You saw what we did in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's not cute, folks. <laughs> like you know that's not fun um i I think i don't I don't view it as a wider conflict. I don't see us as being in a in necessarily a war with russia i think I think you are right, Putin is trying to get the Soviet Union back together as much as he can, and it certainly starts with Ukraine, which again was part of Russia and the Soviet Union for three hundred years. Um, I think it starts I think it starts starts there. Ukraine inconveniently was one of the few countries he could seize and not confront NATO. Because people are like, Well, if he's complaining about a NATO ally on his border, why not seize the Baltics? I said, Well, you just answered your own question. Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania are NATO allies. And if they and they joined NATO expressly to prevent war with Russia. And all three of those countries have large Russian-speaking populations, who would probably be more in favor of shacking up with the old regime than the Ukrainians are. Um, and so that is expressly why you know you attack a NATO state, the United States is going to bomb you into the Stone Ages. So I think I think he really is just trying to just seize Ukraine. I think he stops there because the minute it goes into Poland, World War Three begins. I don't think Putin's that dumb.
0: You know, I I, I definitely, you know, they always say respect your adversary. So I I, I don't think he's a big dummy. But, and I hate to be a tinfoil hat person, but do you think this conflict could be really used as a political tool to weaken Biden even more for perhaps Trump reunion in 2024? You know, him and uh, Putin, are. or, or bffs <laughs> what, do, what do you think about that either one of you uh
2: his yeah historic i guess i'll go first on that one historically speaking um th- that pr- american presidents who get involved in conflicts tend to get reelected. Um, So if anything, that would backfire. If we got into a real war with Russia, that would guarantee Biden's re-election in 2024. It would not help Trump. It's also important to note that even if this gets out of hand, um, Trump's popularity among Republican voters is falling rapidly. Um, it's It's falling faster than the level of the Hennessy at the cookout. Um, And so it appears that even Republicans are not interested in having Trump again in 2024, um, which is just, you know, being out of power, being an ex-president, all this type of thing. Only one president in U.S. history has ever served two terms non-consecutively. And uh, Trump's not that savvy of a political operator. So he doesn't know anything about politics at all. um, It's people around him who know how to use him to get their agendas done. So, no, I, I don't I don't think so. Um, if anything, I think it handling handling this well will likely secure Democrats to the White House in twenty twenty four. It will actually have the opposite the opposite effect. I think Putin thought that Trump had done such a good job of fracturing NATO, fracturing the transatlantic alliance, all this type of thing. He figured that the West would be in too great of disarray to really do anything about Ukraine, and I think. Moscow, if you caught them in an honest moment, would be surprised at how solid the alliance has been and how everybody, even Switzerland, as she pointed out, um, has showed up to this one. And that, I don't think they anticipated that.
0: Jay, okay, how, how about you? Do, do you share my tin uh, foil hat theory or, or are you on online with uh, Cam? Um.
1: Yeah, I just... I think it's just all very, uh, gonna be very interesting overall just to see how this all plays out and comes together. Cause, um, like I said, it's just everything, nothing I've ever imagined in my lifetime to happen and everything that I imagine could happen. So it's just gonna be very interesting um, just going forward. But yeah, how about um, just for me, I think uh, one of the biggest takeaways that I've seen from it is the leadership from him is, um, from the leader. I definitely can't, I'm not going to try to say his name. Um, but I just think like, um,
0: Volodymyr Shil- on, 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 on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just I um, like, okay. yeah. <laughs> I think I, it's very, uh, when we talk about like, I, especially coming off of 45, right. And him always saying like, make America great and stuff. You always, I always would think back about, um, just, I guess, old leaders would, you know, go down with the ship, so to say, you know, and like he was kind of the complete opposite of that, especially on January 6th. You know, it was like, all right, rally the troops and I'm going the opposite direction. Um, and so now you see like this leader that's like everyone's like, all right, we're going to send you planes and trains and everything to get you out. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere. What are you talking about? He's like, give me more guns. Let's go. <laughs> you know, And his people are staying with him and, and rocking
0: the yeah there's no way the I do even Biden in would like
1: I, I mean I in all intents and purposes and I don't even think you know it's 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 I mean I think Biden's like what 70 80
0: 70s 80s 70s,
2: something like that. Right, Cam, 70s, 70s. right, yeah he's 77 yeah okay
1: so I mean I, I can't really get too upset if I was like he's like okay I'm not going to be the first one out there right but at the same time I think it is interesting to see a leader that is like no like all right, cool. If you want to come, that's fine. But I'm not letting you go without a fight. Like this is what I. This is my land. You know what I mean. And I just think like that. That story and that part of it is a reason why a lot of people rallied behind. And especially like his citizens, like staying. Like you, I saw a bunch of people that may have left first, but then they came back, or they never left at all. And I just think like that um, is just powerful because I think that's what you really want as a nation. You want that when all else fails and stuff hits the fan like people are going to be like no we're going to stand up but i just think also that comes from having that strong leadership um to make you want to fight for that um i don't know sometimes either in this country or maybe any other one where you might always get that same result like that's why it's very interesting for me to see that um kind of play out right now um how about you
0: yeah i mean it, it's interesting to me because just his history, um, uh, the president of Ukraine, you know, he was an actor and literally he pretty much played an action hero comedy type thing and made himself into the president. So, I mean, we've we obviously had reality stars, so no judgment there. Right. But it, it's very interesting to see the unity of the people in the Ukraine who have Soviet family. It, as Cam said, 300 years they were a part of the Soviet Empire. So to see people coming from other countries, coming back to defend their homeland, it, it's pretty inspiring. It's, it's something that here in America, you know, we're the country of the bone spurs. When conflict pops up, everybody has asthma or bone spurs. And, yeah. and so it's very inspiring to see a people actually stand for their nation and say, hey, I'm going to go down with this ship. Let the women and children go, and and, and I, every man that can fight stand up and fight. It's definitely something that I know personally. I don't think I have the stones. If, if the roles were reversed, <laughs> I think I'd have been in Canada real quick. Like, yeah, hey, all-
1: you're all- not gonna be it- trying to push a tank. Man, I saw a guy trying to push a tank. Like, I was like, bruh you're y'all are intense you you guys are ready for it you know what i mean like that's the, I, I don't know it's just something that riles up in you and i i think you see that in moments of protest or different things but it's always interesting because it's kind of like you know that's sort of like the mom moving the car with her kid on it you know what i mean that like that strength or that chutzpah or whatever it is that just like oh no like you like oh no it's all holds bar let's go you know um like i said that's just a big takeaway just like that um the citizens, just the the policies on refugees, I think that's going to be interesting how that plays out, you know what I mean? Because we've seen it be different, right? And I think it's being called out um, by all outlets, by media, by everyone, just kind of like the differences on how things have been happening, because we've seen so many influxes of refugees from different places. So seeing this now play out is very interesting. Um, and then just the sanctions, too. I think someone said, and I don't know if it's, Cam, I would love to hear your input on that because um, I'm always interested on, I guess, you know, checkers over or chess over checkers, right? And so, like, when you're doing things to people and you're trying to regulate situations, you also have to be mindful about the power plays and who can then end up using that precedent of what you set against you in a way. And someone had said, um, I don't know where, but they were just mentioning like, it'd be interesting if one day like China put sanctions on America, because that would be very interesting. Like just if another country could then now seeing that America or the US or anyone is doing that to Russia, could any other country, do you think that they could ever have the power to do that um, to us? So I would love to hear your input on that.
2: Yeah, so the 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 sanction sanction regime tends to definitely come from northern wealthy nations to poorer nations especially in the global south um over humanitarian issues all this type of thing. Um the difficult part with trying to sanction the United States is um we are the world's largest economy <clears throat> and so most nations, there, there are very few nations who can afford to cut themselves off from the United States, um, especially given that we all are all also the, world's, the global reserve currency of the world. Um, it also means it becomes very difficult for countries to denominate trade as well. Now, there are some examples of this. Cuba, for example, um, Iran at different moments, um, Argentina from time to time, uh, North Korea, um, all this type of thing have oftentimes severed ties, severed normalization, trade ties, all this type of thing. I do definitely see a scenario in the future where China, as their economy is growing and their nation is becoming somewhat wealthier, um, although the economic success story of China is way oversold. Um, I definitely see down the road where China might try to get away with that. But here's the reality a lot of these countries are kind of lone wolves china doesn't have many allies china can't you know pick up the phone and get 27 nations to do pretty much um it has ambitions of its own i think if, if there's any side benefit to this war in ukraine it has convinced china that if they went after taiwan the whole world would come down on their heads so it's a you know that's good news if you're taiwan Um, so that's, so I, I think there's difficulty with that, but I mean, I think, I think potentially down the road, if the global order changes, yeah, that's a possibility, but we would, there would be massive changes in international relations, um, in order for that to occur. And so someone has to become at at economic parity with us. And the closest nation is the Chinese. And that's, that's, you know going to be a while so
0: Absolutely. call now, me in 20 years we'll see. we'll see right now we've seen this obviously have an impact economically it seems like we've been sanctioned with the prices at the pump and we hear this you know yeah. oil shut off so this is why do you feel this is a legit you know russia shut off this or is it just price gouging? Like the big oil loves to do. And this is their last money grab before people start saying, you know what, I'm going to switch over to electric. I can't deal with this constant. Is this the oil industry? And I know we're jumping around a bit, but do you feel this is the oil industry's last bit money grab? Or do you think this is a thing to stay? That $7 gas is the future?
2: I think it's the future probably for the next 18 to 24 months. Um, mostly because, and it's actually not even our oil companies doing the money grabbing, it's the Middle East doing the money grabbing. Um, Saudi Arabia could increase production and send the thing where oil was worth practically nothing. And that's where all their money comes from. So they're trying to make up for basically two years of lost revenue. And so for them, $135 a barrel oil is music to their bank accounts' ears um you know the accountants are cheering the bookkeepers are popping bottles um it's happy times in riyadh and so um removing russian oil and gas from the market is going to force prices higher oil is a global market so everybody feels it the europeans a liter of gas is up to two euros um which means a gallon of gas is about eight bucks in france right now um here in the u.s here on the west coast we're at our summer prices of like 450 460 which means if this continues on, we'll be going over $5, $6. Um, I think that is probably the the idea moving forward. I don't think it's necessarily going to encourage people to move to electric, mostly because electric cars are simply too expensive for most average people. That will change as the decade moves on. Um, but that that's still the situation as it is. At 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 present. And also we have to, and I always remind people: oil is not just gasoline in your car, it's in everything.
0: It is belly on your face, the whatever you use. <laughs> the yes, it's plastic. I
2: mean, it's in your electronics, it's in the interior of the car, it's in electronics, it's you know, food packaging, all this type of thing is all made of plastic, it's all made of oil. Transitioning off of a fossil fuel-based economy. Is something that needs to be incredibly well planned. Um, we have to look at the entire supply chain from top to bottom and systematically begin removing oil products. And that process will not take any less than 10 to 15 years. Um, I think this will definitely probably get some people thinking. Yeah. Um, I mean, those who can't afford electric cars will probably switch. Um, and I think those companies that can get rid of plastic and other things made from oil that will go up in price um, will start to look for alternatives there's you know plastic wrapping that's made from cornstarch there's hemp products all this type of thing and the great part about that is a lot of that stuff can be made right here so when Jay talks about foreign reliance on oil and all this type of thing a lot of these new alternatives can be made right here in America your cornstarch can come from Iowa and Kansas and all those sorts of places you know hemp is grown widely in California and Colorado all this type of thing um and, and we're probably going to see A lot of countries redomesticating industry. If there's if there's any one thing this war will do, is the the pandemic shot globalization in the chest. The war in Ukraine just put it on its knees and did a double tap to the back of the head. I think everyone is going to be like, we've got to stop shipping all of our goods halfway around the world to get them here, because global instability is a thing and we need to keep things a little closer to home. And now you know, probably
1: with shipping and everything, it's not as convenient as it was. Like the money they save, that is true. probably the labor is not is not saving on the other end of it. You know, so if they brought it locally, it probably would help not only the economies but also you know balance out probably with everything too.
2: No, that is absolutely true. With container prices being what they are, shipping what they are, and again circling back to oil when fuel prices rise shipping costs increase so having something sitting on a ship for 21 days to get from china to the u.s is increasingly not being practical higher fuel prices will make that worse and that will definitely encourage companies to bring stuff back in the united states our government is also spending about 150 billion dollars to begin repatriating some manufacturing um, especially in things like semiconductors and whatnot that have always been made in Asia. A lot of that is going to start coming back to manufacturing jobs. Those that factories will not employ that. Um, there definitely is going to be some job opportunities moving forward, Um, which is good because it should hopefully increase wages, which is not really a discussion germane to this topic, but is still an <laughs> important thing for people's lives. You know, wages need to move higher you know, especially with the
0: inflation we're having and all this type of thing. Yeah, we're feeling like 30 years uh, behind the, roughly 30 years behind uh, just to get where we should be in in, in the wages. So the wage gap, that, that could be a whole nother episode. So can before- now, I,
2: w- Yeah, wages haven't really moved since
0: 1977. So yeah. 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 A- absolutely. So <clears throat> before I let you go, I, I want you. your- best case scenario worst case scenario out of this situation that we're having right now well
2: i'll start with the easy one which is the worst case scenario and that's world war (laughs) three um that's 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 easy that's 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 not hard like (laughs) i mean it i mean yeah i mean this is you know this is when you know the the, stu- the scuffle in the corner in the club turns into everybody punching each other and mm-hmm. a weave gets pulled and alcohol gets spilled and everybody's caught a case like that's that's the worst case scenario
0: And nothing but comes on and it's yes. just
2: <laughs> exactly exactly all because Zelensky said catch these hands and pull up um, yes. <laughs> like, and uh, and the Ukrainian people are like you can take it in blood like that's you know sorry right. so i mean yeah the, the, Sunflower
0: seeds thing is right. is the all-time coldest rank I've ever heard in my life. Yes.
1: Absolutely. I gotta use that again in my lifetime. I have to. <laughs> like, it's destined. I'm
0: just right? like walking around with sunflower seeds just for something to pop off. Like put these in your pocketbook. Yeah. <laughs> right?
2: Like no, I mean it's it's nuts. That's that's easy. That's the worst case scenario. That's kind of where we're at with that. The best case scenario is putin can't sustain his power base at home the oligarchs get pissed because the russian economy is crumbling under their feet which is the source of their wealth Mm -hmm. and putin withdraws his troops from ukraine to get the sanctions lifted and signs a new peace treaty with them or at the minimum agrees to some sort of ceasefire with a withdrawal um That could lead to Putin falling out of favor and falling out of power, potentially. Um, But that really would be that that the sanctions work, the economic withering of Russia is effective, and we at least get the troops out of Ukraine, possibly with regime, regime change in Moscow as an added benefit. That's kind of the best case scenario. The reality will probably be some weird hybrid of something in between. There was talk about potentially sending in UN peacekeepers on a humanitarian mission, but I saw how the French ran that in Kosovo in the '90s, and it didn't go well. So that that's, that's kind of your your you know your your banded end of kind of what can happen. The reality probably will be somewhere in the middle.
0: You feel we we already know he has a, at least a million on his head. If another oligarch's one hundred and twenty million dollar yacht gets Sees what do you feel that it could be potentially even a higher bounty, and we could see some type of internal changeover. You know, someone takes Putin out, and then they, you know, they step in, and maybe they're handpicked, by yeah, or something. I like mean that. Th- that
2: that's difficult to do. Putin is very isolated. He tends to stay out of Moscow. He tends to stay at his Dasha and Sochi. Um He sees very few people, and he is only surrounded by trusted guards that have been with him for many years. So I think that is difficult, but also never discount the Russian people and their ability to get regime change going. I also think the oligarchs are certainly at at play. I think the fact that Putin chooses not to be in Moscow may be to the oligarchs' benefit, because then if someone wants to seize power, they could conceivably walk into the Kremlin and attempt to seize the Russian government. And Putin will be hours by plane away before he even knows it happens. Um, so, something like that could certainly happen. But I think things in Russia are going to have to get a lot more worse and a lot more dicey. Let's also not, not forget Russia is a nuclear power. If there is r- regime change in Moscow and it's not managed, um, DOD will go in and seize Russian nuclear weapons. That puts us into completely uncharted territory that was inconceivable even by Cold War standards. Mm-hmm. The transition from the Soviet Union to Russia was managed. We knew where the weapons were, and we still lost a hundred pounds of nuclear material that we really have no clue where it is in the world. Um, this transition will not be nearly as nice. So regime change in Moscow would be a great idea but there's some black swan events that could come out of that that could make certain parts of the planet unlivable for the next 10,000 years. And if Putin gets backed into a corner, he's already put tactical nukes on the border with Ukraine and has threatened to give them to commanders in the field. You know, if he gets gets stuck in a corner, he has the, the means on his person and around him to fire nuclear weapons and we get into a Cold War scenario. And we have missile defense, but how effective it will be kind of remains to be unseen. You know, and I i mean, I could go off. That's a whole I could do 45 minutes on that. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there's, you know, is that a possibility? Yes. Does it come with a lot of difficulties and issues and potential other problems? Also, yes. Jay, let's wow. hope Putin just gives up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean. It right. sounds like, and you touched on it earlier. It sounds like he really overestimated when you see, the, the, uh, like Jay mentioned, uh, tanks getting towed by trailers and guys mm-hmm. driving up with the. You could see the uh, soldiers looking on their phone for MapQuest directions, and, <laughs> <laughs> and people driving yeah. up in Volvo is like, "Are you lost? Burning hell!" And they're just, you know <laughs> drive away. So it doesn't seem like he was as prepared, or maybe he underestimated the Ukraine's defenses. In some of those situations, but ultimately, a war of attrition. If he keeps blasting, who knows if there'll be any Ukraine left?
2: The the thing I love is the Russian soldiers on Tinder trying to hook up with Ukrainian girls. That is
0: hilarious.
2: I also love even the local gays are helping.
0: That That should have been the
1: episode.
2: (laughs) I know, like, even the local gays are helping. There's Ukrainian gay men who are getting intelligence from Russian shoulders trying to hook up with them on Grinder because it has the location feet away, and they're tracking troop movement based upon russian soldiers grinder profiles so it's even the local gays have gotten involved like everybody's helping in ukraine like the girls are kind of like let me catfish this man so i can find out where he's going next and the gays are kind of like oh girl he's around the corner like, <laughs> kind of like it's like we saw a tank go that way and how do we know because he's only a half mile away they're going right. that way like this is war of the 21st century where it's like dating apps are providing valuable military data
0: like <laughs> Putin would be taken down by tiktok right, <laughs> yeah, right. oh my your goodness soldiers are doing dances in front of the tank.
1: right
2: <laughs> right right exactly
1: exactly tank trend,
0: tank trend. give us your last words jay we'll go around the road jay cabin that i'll finish
1: uh you know i you always want peace you always want everything to go smoothly um i'm kind of I'm in the way of, like, I don't know how you bargain or do peace talks with someone who says you shouldn't be there <laughs> or they say that, that you're, what yours is mine and there's no, you know. So, I mean, I'd love to see that, you know, just there's obviously no more killing and everyone is good. I'm just, um like I said, we're living in literal history. And so I'm just going to see how this plays out. And I just hope uh, for the best and, you know, Yeah. No, I'll just, I'll pack, get some, some seeds ready, you know, <laughs> just in case that's <laughs> the amount of people. Cam, yeah. <laughs> so.
0: can we have your final words? Yes,
2: I am. I have a master's degree in international relations from a top 100 school back East. And this is me swinging my big Eastern education around. Um, and this was one of our top 5 conflicts that we always feared would come and there's many ways to get out of it cleanly but i don't think that's going to be the situation i think putin gets desperate i think some things with long term consequences are going to start to happen um i would tell everyone you know, I think we're going to get through this. Um, I would, you know, do some preparation now. If you don't have a battery powered or crank powered radio in your life, get one. Um, if you don't have a crank or battery powered flashlight, get one. Um, if you don't have multiple evacuation routes from where you are, uh, bust out the map, (laughs) you know, um, if you don't own a paper map, buy one. there's, you know, G- when in any sort of scenario, GPS probably is not going to work um, and networks will be overloaded, all this type of thing. Um, to protect against radiation, um, uh, iodide, uh, potassium iodide is going to protect your thyroid. Um, and, you know, if, if the crisis escalates, don't wait to prepare. This is not like a hurricane. This is not like a tornado. This is not like a snowstorm. This is something where you're going to need to be able to stay in your house for two weeks and not need to literally leave the most interior room of your home, potentially. So be, you know, stay safe, be prepared, be sane. We're going to get through this and let's hope we can get out of this conflict without glowing
0: in the dark. (laughs) And, 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 And I do like glow sticks, but I do not. (laughs) <laughs> to be a, I always wanted to be an X-Man, but I don't want to be a mutant. Weird. So, you know, looking for my power for a while now, but you know, still nothing. So Cam, thank you so much, brother, for coming in and lighting and, and enlightening us and, and bringing so much depth uh, to this conversation. It's a conversation that we're probably going to have to have again, because it feels like this is just the beginning. Uh, the pandemic, I always told people that's just a prequel. Of this horror movie that we have coming, or you think it's bad now, can get a lot worse, but hopefully that won't be the case. Hopefully, wiser and cooler heads will prevail and we can get back to the new normal. I don't think we're ever going to get back to what we used to call, you know, circa 2019 normal, but at good least old days. the good old days, right? <laughs> you know, so hopefully we'll have some Sometimes. type of normal, something at all. But as Absolutely. all. Of us, Thank you, Cam, again so much. Please tell the people where they can find you uh, on social media. Please, the floor is yours.
2: Yeah, um, on Twitter, at Cameron Cowan. Same thing for Instagram. Um, Facebook, Cameron L. Cowan, because someone took my name. Um, And you can always find all the links and everything at CameronJournal.com. And uh, new content comes out regularly. And we also have my own podcast. There's a podcast version of the Cameron Journal. And all the links are at CameronJournal.com. Awesome.
0: um, Thank you, brother. And Jay, please uh, share your social media to all the uh, politics as usual, all the POW fans. Let, uh, Let them know your social media where they can find you.
1: Well as always, I'm your girl Jay, and you can find me on all platforms at We Are Cusp, uh, K U S P. Yeah, like and follow.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and guys, you know you can find us at Mars Entertainment, the the big uh, mothership of this conglomerate uh, down in the den. Of course, always uh, episodes weekly for the best in entertainment down in the den. After Dark for your stupid sports and guide talk. And of course, please check out the Cameron Journals. It's a fantastic podcast. Politics as usual, season two, we're back. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And as always, politics as usual, politics from A to Z. It's your boy, Mars. That's Jay. That's Cam down there. Deuces. Deuces. <laughs>